This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris telling you the significance of this Twitter story really has uh, very little to do with Twitter, quite frankly. I think it has a lot more to do with the uh, conspiracy to uh, squash free speech and to unseat a very popular president of what people really wanted. This is a huge, huge story. And I don't see it going away. You've got a lot of big people that are saying, it's still not letting go of the election. Thank God. Thank God. This Twitter story, though, I'm going to walk you through some of it. All this was already well known. You know, to, to the people that think this is a surprise, I find it laughable. I really do. How many times have I talked about it? How we continued to be shadow banned. All kinds of little games with this lowly little podcast. Uh, It's only been conservative names. Very, very rarely you get some liberal mind. And even then it was because they were too masculine or or too something. They run them out of existence. The evilness of it, it's it's, uh, unbelievable, really. We'll get into all the details. We have time to do that. I had a fantastic weekend. Even though it rained here almost all day Sunday. You know, sometimes it's nice. Sometimes it's nice to have a rain day. My wife was busy getting the house ready for Christmas. And it's funny because my wife is very calculated, I'll say. Uh, But boy, when she gets a a target, man, look out. I'm like, who's moving all this stuff around? Where's my jacket? Everything just changed. But anyway, it was a good weekend, catching up on some things. It's good to be back at it with the podcast. Uh, I'm very excited about this year, about this year coming up. Uh, I I feel like the podcast is going to take an evolution that's just going to be very good for the maturity of the podcast. That's just my gut feeling. Maybe I'll get into the details of why, but I don't think so, because quite frankly, it's kind of a a, a trade secret, if you will. I don't think I want the world to know. You can you can try and reverse engineer it, but you can't reverse engineer me. It's not going to happen. You can you can copy, you can steal. Doesn't happen too much anymore. Isn't that? There's another funny phenomena. They don't dare say what's said on the from these independent voices. Anyway, we'll get to it. Like I said, I was looking into something here, and I found this particularly interesting. Uh, says on average a dog can exert about 15 to 20 pounds of pressure per square inch with its jaw. I found that to be kind of light, but okay. I guess if you apply 20 pounds of pressure, you know, to the point of a tooth, um, you know, I guess it, it's going to hurt. But they say some breeds, such as the pit bull, can exert up to 450 pounds of pressure per square inch. That's like what, 200 times more than the average dog. Do I believe it? Well, I kind of do. 
Fatal dog attacks are rare, with only 46 being recorded in the United States in 2020. Pit bulls accounted for 72% of those fatalities. So uh, about 30 of them, 30 of the 46. So 30 people a year getting uh, killed by pit bulls. And do pit bulls, you know, have this massive ability to, to exert pressure with their jaw? Are they bad dogs? Well, you may know that we have a pit bull, and it's not the first one that I've owned. Uh, this this pit bull, she's she's pretty well pit. I think she has a little bit of lab in her, but she's mostly pit. The other one that I had was a pit lab mix. My son was his, his head pit in it too. That dog was a little funny. It, it, the dog was very scared. And it's not good. Our dog, Duke, he's a, a shepherd lab mix. And he he's a little scared. And you got to watch that because when the dogs are scared, they'll, they'll react uh, differently sometimes and not in a good way. First of all, on, on the biting strength of the, of the pit bull, uh, I absolutely believe it. If you've ever seen a, a pit bull lock on, and oddly enough, even though I think this this dog is more pit, I think the other dog I had, uh, Zoe, what a great dog. I actually have her collar here hanging in the studio. She was a fantastic dog. And uh, to put her down about mm, three, four years ago, five years ago now, right before Christmas. And um, anyway, I saw, you know the big cow femurs you can buy? I, I saw the dog snap them in half. <laughs> Uh, it was pretty amazing, actually. And she had such a strong neck. Uh, when she was younger, we had a, a runner for her. We lived in town then. And she would go out back, and uh, she would launch herself out, run, you know, off, you know, go to run away from the from the line and launch herself, like, way up into the air by the neck. It, w- it was just incredible. It really was. That dog bit me once and threatened to bite me a second time. This dog, uh, I don't think she has it into her. I think you could probably beat this dog to death and she wouldn't take a nip at you. It's just not in her nature to, to attack people. She's the most lovable dog. Uh, but so was Zoe. Zoe, the, the one time she bit me, uh, she was scared, actually. She, was, she got very uh, afraid of thunder. And uh, I was, it was untimely. She ran under the desk in my office. I needed to get her out. She was scared, and I reached under there, and she nipped me. The other time, I think it was the same thing. She was afraid of some thunder, and she wouldn't go in the house, and I had to go, and I was trying to pull her in, and she uh, acted like she was going to uh, you know, take a bite at me. And I, I reared back about ready to knock her out. And... Uh, you know, it's interesting with the pit bulls. Uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me that if they're trained in that way that they would become very, very dangerous. But so are shepherds. You know, you, matter of fact, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, maybe there's more deaths by pit bulls because, you know, once, once the pit bull locks on, you're not going to get it off. It'll just it'll take your arm off. Like literally, a shepherd won't do that. But I wonder, I wonder who has higher incidence. I bet you it's shepherds. 
I think shepherds are a much easy, easily, more easily provoked dog than a pit bull. The other thing about the pit bull, the pit bull, if you go to kick the pit bull, they're afraid of that. The shepherd, not so much. That's they are, but the, you know, kicking as a defense against the shepherd is not going to be as effective as it would be uh, with a pit bull. But uh, I would say to you that if if you have any fear of dogs, I wouldn't own either one, frankly. The shepherd, there's a few breeds I wouldn't recommend for people who are afraid of dogs. I would actually say if you're afraid of dogs, I wouldn't recommend uh, any of them. They just know. I mean, I've seen little toy dogs, you know, bite people in the face because they're, they're, you know, they're putting, they think they're like little babies or little toys, and they're not. <laughs> they're dogs. They're all dogs. Uh, speaking of anyway, I found that interesting with the uh, with the pit bull. Um, I think, you know, you got to be careful if it was ever trained for that. Same with the shepherd. Like, you think you're going to take like a police dog and bring it into your house? It doesn't work like that. The military dogs, you got they have to like go through a whole retraining. And even then, like you don't put a dog like that around young children and things like that. Maybe in in rare circumstances, but not usually. But uh all of our dogs are, are super friendly. Unless uh it's interesting. I've walked up to the property with a hood up, they can't recognize me. And whew, it's menacing. I you know, between the two of them. And that, that's a big difference there, by the way. Once the dogs, you know, have a pack, uh, you're going to have a whole different kind of problem. And they'll work together very, very efficiently. It's amazing, really. Um, but then we have this little, I don't know what she is, little 10-pound fluffy white thing. Well, she might be 12. She's putting on a little weight. Anyway, uh, we had a, a holiday party to go to Saturday night. My buddy stopped over to pick me up. We came in uh, through the studio and coming up the stairs into the foyer, and the dogs were greeting him. Well, next thing you know, the little dog uh, got got pushed down the steps. Now, she can go up and down steps, but first of all, it was uh, quite the thrust. So there she was doing Mach 4 down the steps, kind of skids out at the bottom. I saw this happening in slow motion. And she's my beautiful, I'm like, oh, thank goodness she was okay. She come running right back up. I'm like, yeah, she's old too. And she's she's eight or nine years old, maybe 10. I'm like, guys, you got, you got to be a little more careful. That's the bigger dogs, they bully her, really. They do. I don't know. You can't be afraid of the pit bulls. They're very strong-willed dogs. Shepherds too. You know, I've told you the stories of, of Duke, yeah. You got to be prepared that the dog needs to feel that you'll kill it. I really believe that. Mentally, I think that um, if you're going to be a dog owner, you got to be prepared to kill it. It's just one of those things. You get a bad dog, you get a dog that's you know bites at a child. You got a problem there. What are you going to do with it? If you don't have a way to completely separate it, you kill. This is how it was handled in the past. You kill the dog. These days, you know you've got much better options than that. But I think natural, instinctively, whatever you want to call it, you know, my dogs know if they get too annoying, they could be dead. Not that I'm going to do that. Don't get me wrong. I love the dogs. Uh, I don't hit the dogs. We don't need to hit the dogs. We have other tools to discipline the dogs. And if they get really out of line, uh, we have these training collars and it has these prongs that 
go into their neck. They're not sharp. Um, in fact, they have uh, rubber ends on them, uh, but it doesn't feel good <laughs> wrapped around their neck. And if we, if we really need to get them under control, but we haven't even pulled those out in forever. Uh, and they're great dogs. They really are. Our pit bull, like I said, I couldn't imagine her. Uh, we, you know, you could take her food away. You could do it. And it's funny. I'll leave you with this on the pit bull. Uh, you could take her food away. She won't do it. Another dog takes her food away. And uh, she literally, this is, here, here's how she is, just to give you an idea. So the little white dog one time stole a treat uh, from the pit bull. And this was happening a lot because the little dog's quicker. Well, the pit bull had enough, and she clamped down. She had the the um, the little dog by the neck. I mean, if she, if she would have bit down, she would have instantly killed that little dog to break its neck. And she wouldn't let go. And but you know, she never broke the skin. Isn't that funny? Interesting. You know, most dogs wouldn't have that kind of presence of mind. So uh, we love them. I like Sunday mornings are kind of my uh, one of my dog times. I usually play around with them for a while, give them some good petting. And that's another important thing. I think that dogs need love. They crave it. The more of a bond you can form with the dog, the less problems you're going to have overall. And we do. We do have a good bond. You know, constantly just training. You know, we give them treats and we do some training exercises and it works out good. I was having breakfast Sunday morning and uh, I'll leave you with this thought. I came up with this different way of making an egg sandwich And I find it a little more convenient for one thing, uh, for leftovers, that is. And it's a little different flavor profile. I got the idea when somebody uh, turned me on to shaved ham. Have you ever heard of that? Chipped or shaved ham? Chipped, I think they call it. Shaved. Well, it's almost like it's broken up. They run it through the deli knife, but I guess they do it at an odd angle, or or I don't know what the deal is. And it rips it, kind of rips it apart in these small pieces. Well, uh, when you take ham in that shape for some reason, uh, made with with eggs, in the eggs, uh, and then put the cheese in there, melted in there, it's a different flavor profile. Like an omelet, I guess you could say. But, but uh, you know, fluffy, like, uh, I guess you could make it any way you want, but uh, I make it like a scrambled egg in the pan. Just mix that all together. And I didn't, you can go to the deli and ask for this shaved or chipped ham. I never have. Somebody uh, made me a sandwich with it one time. It was phenomenal. And we get ham every once in a while, like lunch meat. I like a little ham. And um, I just pulled it apart, threw it in the air. I've done it a couple of times. And it's really a great thing. We use these low carb wraps. And uh, I put a little too much cheese in, but you know, you got to live a little bit. Come on. And I've actually put bacon in there as well. Ham, bacon, cheese, and egg. That's good with the two meats. You get a little saltiness, and it's just tasty. And here's the other thing that's cool about it. So I made up like a batch of this stuff, probably like three days' worth of breakfast. And uh, it's nice and easy to warm up. If you ever made an egg sandwich and you try to warm it up with cheese on it, it's kind of a pain because to warm the sandwich up warm enough, the cheese, like, you know, melts away is gone so anyway there you go there's your hot tip hot tip of the week how to make a great egg sandwich you'll like the flavor and you'll like the way you can uh batch cook on that so anyway speaking of uh strange facts let me give you a couple here did you know that pearls melt in vinegar i never knew that very interesting really 
Who would have thunk that you could uh, destroy a pearl with household chemicals? Women blink twice as much as men. A can of Diet Coke uh, will float, but regular Coke sinks. Interesting, right? And the world's largest yo-yo is 1,625 pounds. You know what you can do with all that information? Absolutely nothing. It's completely useless, useless information. And, you know, it, it would be one thing if social media was that, right? It would be bad enough if all social media was was a waste of time. Like the old boob tube and the brain rot that comes with it. My mother warned us, and we went the wrong direction. Now everybody's with their faces in these screens looking at the social media. Has that trend changed? Not really. People use the phone as a tool to avoid other people in many different ways. Just locked in their own little digital world and happier to be there than in reality. But it would be bad enough if that's all that social media was. Harmless entertainment with friends and family, I guess. But then it became a a worldwide community. Do you remember that? Oh, no, this is going to be great. A big worldwide Facebook community. Then they started tracking everything. Who Who you were with, where you were. You couldn't turn it off. And, you know, this is all conspiracy theory stuff, but... Like the Twitter uh, shadow banning and banning, you're going to find that it's, it's all very true. They had the microphones on, and I believe that they do have the ability to easily uh, review photos that are on your device and probably other information as well. And if that wasn't, you say, well, I have nothing to hide, right? Or the big wide world community, yeah, the more the merrier. Well, they're tracking everything. Nah, I don't have anything to hide. You know, they're, yeah, they're going to give me better ads. Yeah, it's just what I always wanted, better ads. I've heard so many people say that to me. You know what I would really like? Better ads. <laughs> Said nobody ever. But that wasn't enough either. Then they started censoring and silencing and manipulating information badly and allowing information to be manipulated by other people. And it's impacted elections. This is not conspiracy theory stuff. This is well-known fact that's been discussed from people at the highest levels of these organizations. What do you think Jack Dorsey's doing? He's going, this is a monster that's out of control. He lost control. Why do you think he got out? Why do you think he's helping Elon? Crazy. Or maybe it's some part of... uh, the phase two plot on this. I think it is a phase two plot, the great awakening, where the truth can no longer be concealed because it's all there. They're not, they can't They can't keep a lid on it. Sooner or later, people are going to know the truth about everything. Now, what happens with it? That's going to be another story. And it could be the source of great frustration as people realize what's really happening. So at the center of this story, I want to give you a couple of key points on this. Really, all, There's really just two things that you really need to know about this story, this whole Twitter Hunter Biden laptop story. Two things you need to know. Number one, it's not just Twitter. There's the whole media. There's Google, YouTube, all of it. The, uh, the mainstream media combined with uh, government organizations – Uh, The tentacles went very far and very wide, all the way down to local newspapers that are all corporate-owned now, 
local news stations, all completely corrupted in the same matter. It's being it's, so it's not just Twitter. You know, the White House. Where do you hear this response from the White House? This is all. It's an old story. They're referring to the Hunter Biden story. And that's the second thing you need to know. So the first thing is that it's it wasn't just Twitter. It, it was the voice of truth being canceled out, and they continue to do it. And they said, "Oh, it's an old story." I'm going to tell you that, that um, Hunter Biden making plans to go after his accusers, so they're going to tie everything up in court. This is what people accuse Trump of doing. Maybe it will work for Hunter. Maybe the same same you know uh, uh, legal terrorism. They'll engage in that, and it'll be years before anything happens, and by then it'll be too late. Biden will be dead, and and Hunter will be back in some uh, rehab clinic somewhere. Who knows? Who knows? Will the problems be fixed of this censoring? I don't know. I I guess Twitter now is a free speech platform. What does that mean in terms of really changing anything? I don't know. Uh, but the second thing uh, that you need to know, so the first, like I said, is that it, it's not just uh, uh, Twitter. Uh, but the second thing that you need to know is that this Hunter Biden laptop story is not about a laptop. It's about information on that laptop that prove, allegedly, I haven't seen it, but they say that the information on that laptop proves that Hunter Biden had business dealings that had ties, political ties, and that his father was involved while he was in office. And this is a violation of laws. And I have to believe that the truth is already known about this. Was it important to the election? Certainly. Certainly for Trump to to be banned. Just the image of that. But then to have his like 10 times more followers than than Biden and any of these other hacks and they, they couldn't beat him so they just they just ran Trump out of there but two things to remember it's not about the laptop it's about the information on that laptop which implicates Joe Biden it's a huge story and then the silencing of that crime Huge and uh, free speech violations that went along with it. I don't know how anybody, regardless of, of political ideology, sits back and says that this is okay. Some of the details of the story are just really unbelievable. Jack Dorsey calls on Elon Musk to make everything available. They're going after uh, Twitter with everything, by the way. They, um, I guess they had some bedrooms set up in the, in the Twitter headquarters. And they, they, the city of San Francisco uh, has uh, gone after them for building code violations. <laughs> you can't just have, you know, residential units inside of a commercial space. It's a violation of several things. But, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon that there would be this accessory use, which is probably how that'll get written off. I don't know. Maybe tied up in court. But it just it goes to show that, uh, all of a sudden, Elon Musk became public enemy number one. They didn't say that he was lying. Nobody said that it's not true. They can't even say that. Now, Hunter Biden, you know, he claims he's going to go sue Fox News for slander and um, maybe some of these others. I don't know, maybe Twitter. I don't know. The new Twitter. I don't know. But e- Elon Musk, you would think he would be applauded for this act of of. Um, 
selfless patriotism, selfless righteous. I'm not a huge uh, Elon Musk fan. I didn't realize lately uh, Elon Musk loses title of the world's richest man. I didn't. I didn't know that uh, he was the world's richest man, and I find that fascinating. It's over Tesla, of a car of a single car company. Like normally, you know, a lot of that money is generational. And that's, but here's the other thing that struck me about this. First of all, I'm like, how did this all happen? I don't really know his story, so, uh, but it just struck me as odd. Odd that I didn't know that. I mean, it's not really something that I would look into. But also kind of struck me that it's really just um, fabricated wealth, paper wealth, right? Because the value of Tesla, Tesla goes away. It's not like it's real estate. Now, not that Tesla doesn't have any real value because it does. They have plants and equipment and and uh, certainly as long as the sales stay there, there's a huge asset there. But it's not like uh, diamonds or land or or things like that, or even a, a more diversified portfolio. And, and again, I don't really know what all he has. Maybe he does have a wildly diverse portfolio, but I've never heard anything about that. You never heard any accusations of him buying up farmland or wildly influencing elections. You never heard of any of that. Why has he become public enemy number one? He should be a hero right now. Nobody really is uh, uh, looking at him as a hero. He's taken huge risks with this whole thing, billions and billions of dollars on the line. And uh, it's just very interesting to me that uh, how he's being treated on all this. I want you to just listen for a second. The uh, what do you say? The smugness, at the least, in, in the response to uh, to how this whole laptop story is being responded to. Listen to this. Uh, decisions were made to, to censor reporting leading up to the election. My question was: Is it the White House view that these decisions were made appropriately in light of what has come out? Which decisions? By whom? By Twitter. By Twitter on. Okay. So look. We see this as a, a, an interesting or a coincidence, if I may, that, uh, uh, that he would so haphazardly, uh, Twitter would so haphazardly push this distraction. Uh, that, is a, that is a full of uh, old news, if you think about it. Um, and uh, at the same time, Twitter is facing very real and very serious questions uh, about the rising volume of anger, hate, and anti-Semitism on their platform. Wow. Unreal. She didn't say, oh, it's a, it's a lie, these fabricated stories. Oh, it's a, that he would so haphazardly release it. What was so haphazard about it? What, the people um, now know the truth? Bloomberg published this. Musk Twitter leak raises concern about outside data access. How's that? How is that exactly? Then there's this part of the story. This is uh, Charlie Kirk posted this. Uh, I haven't checked this, but I, I do remember hearing from other uh, venues, if you will. Let me get this straight. Not only was Anthony Fauci's daughter a Twitter employee, but John Podesta's niece just resigned from Twitter's Trust and Safety Council. Oh, and so everybody says, oh, so Fauci's daughter and they've got the, you know, these government employees have employees at these tech firms. 
this has been going on for years. Go look at the ties between the the, the White House and who's in 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 media, cable news. You look at the, it's all been manipulated for years. This is not a new game. Who do you think controls it? Who do you think owns the newspapers? It's not the cab driver. It's not the grocery store clerk. But it's crazy when you think about it and how this has all been carefully coordinated to do some plainly evil things, really plainly evil. I want to give you this uh, this other part of the story just to give you a little more detail on what they did to Trump. Uh, it's really fascinating. And, you know, let me tell you what the source of it is. Not American media, but Russian media. That's where I had to go to get the truth about this, all with uh, screenshots. It's really amazing, all laid out right here. And they detail here with the screenshots. Did I say that already? I think I did. I guess this is part of what was released from Twitter. I guess this uh, It looks like instead of, like, email, they use, like, a Twitter... Uh, messaging for their internal communications, and I guess that's what's released. Anyway, it's these screenshots. And basically, I mean, this couldn't be more Stalinist, quite frankly. They they make up these rules, literally, where, you, where you've got uh, this uh, Yoel Roth, who I guess um, was like the head of, of misinformation or whatever, and he basically says... Um, uh, the sales executive says, are we dropping the public interest policy now? Roth says, in this specific case, we're changing our public interest approach for his account. So they make up these rules. This is what Stalin did when they rounded people up. And you say, well, this isn't rounding people up, it's Twitter. What are you talking about? They did all this to change the outcome of the election, plain and simple. They would probably, oh, we were saving you from this madman. Is that right? Is that right? Well, anyway, they made up these rules. This is what Stalin did when they rounded people up. They would go arrest them in their homes, and they would, this exact type of thing, they would round them up in the middle of the night, and they'd bring them, we want you to confess, but not right away. They'd keep people up for 48 hours. And, you know, some for some reason, there's like a magical, I don't know when it, when it hits, 24 hours, 32 hours. If you keep somebody up, they're going to get to a point where they'll do whatever you tell them to do just for a little sleep. Easy peasy. No violence, no bloodshed. Just pick them up in the middle of the night, wake them up out of a sound sleep. They're on their heels. This is what they did. They would say, hey, you're guilty of these of these uh, national security laws because of your language, right? This is what they were doing with Trump. Oh, his inciting violence. You were inciting violence. What do you mean it was inciting violence? You, you said that you thought that people need to fight back. Did you not? Weren't those your own words? Wait, yeah, but I didn't mean you know, that I wanted people to kill anybody. Well, what does fight mean in your terms? You know, and then you keep talking about this. And hours into it, and finally they'd get a confession off to the gulag for 10 years for something that was completely made up. And this is what they were doing at Twitter. Just made, no, no, it's not going to be a new policy, just the policy for his account. They're going to give Trump a special set of rules. Nobody questioned. Nobody questioned. 
the, 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 the basic fairness of this, the impact of this, changing it for this account. And then you can't even get this from the American media. What does that tell you? I remember jokingly, somewhat jokingly, saying back in the early days of the podcast five years ago, you know, it's almost like there's more freedom in Russia. <laughs> Not. Not at all, really, when you think about it. Absolutely unbelievable that, that all this has been allowed to go on. The, the evidence has blown wide open for everybody to see, all of the agencies, all of the people involved. And, and the White House, what did they say? <laughs> you know, it, it's, you really have to question the timing. Of, you have to question why now would Eli think that telling the truth would be so important. But we've been hearing this. We've been hearing this from these MAGA people for a long time now. It's old news. These violent, and, and just look at the posts, the people behind this. The, the, the Nazis with their... Uh, anti-Jewish uh, uh, rhetoric that's running rampant on Twitter. I'm sure for some people they really have turned it around. I'm sure that there are people, yeah, yeah this is unbelievable, people leaving Twitter. What was it? Um, who's who's the, uh, the singer? Um, Elton John. Elton, I can no longer suffer. Isn't Elton John Jewish? I think he is. I think he's a gay Jewish guy. What difference does it make? I don't know. Well, I'm leaving. Why? Because Elon started telling the truth? Somebody had a great post about it. I don't know. How do you expect Elton John to know? What are you going to take advice from, from from that fat loser for? And I actually like some of his songs, to tell you the truth. But I'm not going to listen to this idiot on matters of free speech and government. Mr. Uh, Rainbow Glasses and the... You know, the the world, you know, farts tulip bubbles in his world. Must be great. You know, God bless him. Sing away. I don't see what other value he has to offer. None. So, bye. Let's get off of Twitter. Who cares? It's funny that people have to announce it. And now I'm leaving. Well, good riddance. Nobody, nobody invited you, and nobody's going to be sorry to see you go. It's hilarious, really. Oh, I think people should know I'm leaving. <laughs> well, thanks for the announcement. I'm not on social media, and I didn't make any announcements. I don't know. I've been kind of thinking about going back on Twitter, but I just don't know if I can. I really don't. I mean, it, it, I, there's no safety controls. I mean, this is great that we think that it's now free speech. How many people are on there blabbing away in this free speech and they're going to end up in handcuffs over it, right? Yeah, I don't believe... You're going to trust that uh, Elon and the, the new gang and everything's going to be okay. No thanks. I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't know. It sounds intriguing with everything going on, but why not Truth Social? I give Trump a lot of credit for the Truth Social thing. You know, rather than whining and crying, just go form your own network. Bring people over to the new network. It's like with the news and Newsmax and um, many of these other things. And it is having an effect. Nobody's watching uh, MSNBC or CNN. Nobody wants to watch that garbage. I don't know. Maybe maybe the era of social media is dead. Or maybe it'll just go back to being a, like a tiny little part of our lives. You know, I'll, just, I'll leave you with this thought on the whole Twitter thing. 
I remember those early days of MySpace. I remember those early days where uh, it was kind of a girly thing, really. And and some people would take issue with me saying that. But it seemed more that the women were into it. And you could go on there and you could customize the page. It was like almost like your own little website, kind of. They had these little widgets and things. And you could put backgrounds and music and whatnot. And it was a place that you could share moments of your life that you could connect to people using this technology. And you know what? It was really kind of cool. It was kind of cool that you could see what was going on with friends and family. And, and you know, the truth of the matter is maybe you don't like them enough to want to actually spend time with them. But you still want to say, hey, you know, and I still care to some degree. I'd like to stay connected. You call it nosy. I call it caring. Whatever. It was fun. It was pretty innocent. Was it a waste of time? Mostly. And Facebook came along. And, you know, it was like an even better version of that. People were getting on. Everybody was getting on. It was, it was cool. It was cool in the air. Even some of the marketing then was kind of cool. You had these internet marketers like the Wild West, man. How to make money online. And people were making money online. Facebook was fun. You know, for me, one of the most memorable things is it brought together our Marine Corps unit. It's what allowed our 30th reunion to take place. People search people out on Facebook when you actually weren't afraid to use your real name, right? And it was fun. Maybe it'll just go back to that. I predicted five years ago that Facebook wouldn't be around in 10 years. I said there's nothing to the technology that's, that's very good. Anybody can replicate this. This is being proven over and over again with Gab and True Social and others, many others out there at this point. Uh, easy peasy, really. And secondly, that the Facebook never had a good vision and never even had a, a good idea of what good customer service even looked like. It was never part of their ethos, if you will. Just a, a mess. But I don't know. Maybe it'll go back to that. We'll see. Let me leave you with this little story. This was from Business Insider. And I guess it's supposed to be a rah-rah for the uh, I Stand With Ukraine crowd. How Russian snipers are being fooled by a fleet of aging farm animals, from uh, farm animals, farm uh, trucks from uh, the UK. Apparently there's this Car for Ukraine initiative. The crowd-funded initiative, Car for Ukraine, has received more than 100 vehicles shipped to Ukraine from the UK. And uh, they're taking these old farm vehicles. That's what Ukraine is taking. And this magnificent story of that it's supposed to be fooling the Russian snipers because the Russian snipers are shooting into the passenger side, thinking they're shooting into the driver's side because in Britain they drive on the other side of the road. And I think to myself, this is really hilarious. Uh, Just another indication that we're being completely lied to. All these billions of dollars sent over there. And this is what they're using, old farm trucks from the U.K.? And are we really supposed to believe that the Russian army is in that bad of tathers, uh, that they're shooting at the wrong side blindly, that they can't plainly see the silhouette in the other side, or that they, they haven't figured any of this out by now? It's really fascinating, any way you want to look at it. But why no real live footage? Why no cell phone footage coming out of Ukraine? Maybe it's just a big media clampdown. Who knows? God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. I sure hope to see you there. Make it a great day.